Blog Talk Radio. Funky Writer Show, all about the funk of writing. I'm your host and navigator, Robert Batista. The Funky Writer Show has been called the funky eclectic outlet for all wordsmiths and literati. Now celebrating over six years of dynamic Writers Talk Radio. Check me out on Twitter by going to at author R. Batista. Our special guest today has been serving authors behind the scenes since 2010. She's the founder of Kate Tilton's Author Services, LLC. Her name, of course, is Kate Tilton. Welcome, Kate Tilton, to the Funky Writers Show. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. I see that you are such a head such an imprint online and such a dynamo. Kate, let's start off by you giving our audience some background as to what led you to start Kate Tilton's Author Services, LLC, and exactly how had you been serving authors behind the scenes since 2010? Well, in 2010, I got my first job as an author assistant, and that's actually a pretty interesting story. Um, I was coming home for um, Christmas break from college. Actually, no, this is high school, back in high school, gosh. Feels like forever ago. So I was coming home for Christmas break to visit my family, and I was on Twitter, because I am definitely a Twitter addict, and I happened to see one of my favorite writers post that she was thinking about getting an assistant. So I responded to her on Twitter and asked her if the assistant could be virtual. And she hired me for the job, and I've been working with authors ever since. Wow, that's fantastic. So, okay, so, and then afterwards you began to start to learn and and understand the craft, and then you went on to start Kate Tilton's Author Services. Now, uh, tell to me about that, starting that Author Services LLC. I mean, what led you to do that? Well, I mean, technically I consider that the business has really been around since I started working for myself um, with that first job. Um, The reason why I decided to become an LLC, um, you know, I started to get to the point where I was actually making an income. And for tax purposes, being an LLC is beneficial um, versus just being self-employed. So I got to that point where I had enough clients that I was making enough, um, you know, not thousands, thousands of dollars or anything like that, but enough that it was 
uh, significant to um, to have an LLC versus just doing the self-employment. So you said that you had enough clients. So, of course, that first author was the first. How did the word of mouth or um, how did it get around uh, about your services and how did you get your follow-up uh, clients? How did that work? It's just a lot of work. So I started out with that one client and we worked for probably a little over a year together. Um, then things changed for that client and I ended up working for another author. Um, I did a period of work where I was just working for free trying to build experience. Um, I ended up getting a job at a company uh, that worked in publishing, connecting authors with different publishing professionals and did that for about a little bit over a year while I was working on building author clients. That was my real goal was to have authors that I could help. Um, And I happened to have hosted a Twitter chat where Joel Freelander was the guest. And he liked what I was doing and asked me to do a guest blog on, on his website, The Book Designer. And that article got a lot of attention and actually still does. I'll have people that will email me and say, hey, I read your article on Joel's website. And this article was back in October 2013. So even now in wow. 2015, I'll still have people that will find that article um, and contact me about my services. So I think that really kind of started um, but I would really say it's a lot of just keeping your head down and doing the work, and then people kind of notice, hey, this is really cool what this person is doing, and then that spreads. So, I mean, now I have people that will recommend me. I had someone that recommended me the other day, and I wasn't even sure who this person was and how they knew who I was. <laughs> um, you know, I thank them for referring me, and and that was that. But it, it's a lot of just, you know, doing things like this. Like I do um, interviews and guest posts, and I write on my own website, right on Bad Redhead Media. Um, so I really try to just get out there. I do the Twitter chat, you know, anything that I can do to kind of tell people about author assistance and what we do and what we can provide for authors. So in doing my research, I discovered that some time ago, books saved your life, and you've been striving to repay authors for bringing books into the world. So how did books save your life or you know, how did that work, and can I ask that question? How was your life saved yeah. by books? Well, I um, I was born in Boston, but I was raised in a village. And by village, I mean in the village, a village, a village. It was called okay. Stark, New Hampshire. So this is, wow. you know, barely any people population. Um, you know, if you go into the school, you have the kindergarten, mm-hmm. first graders, and second graders all together because that's the size of the class. Um and, you know, there was really very few kids. I had two friends that were sisters, and then they moved away. So I had no one. There was nobody my age. Um, I was homeschooled. So even if I did go to school, like, there was just no one around. So that's when I really, um, really depended on books to get me through every day. Um, and, I mean, I, I was always a reader. My mom read to me when we were little. It was something me and my sister did um, every night, but when I was kind of alone at that point, you know, books became my friends. I, w- I was not alone because I was able to connect with the characters and every story that I read, and, um, you know, now I try to really pay back what I can for the authors that were able to, you know, be there in that dark time for me. 
Wow, that's such a great story on how that actually saved you when you were younger. But you brought up a very, very interesting and even controversial point that I've been hearing a lot about, and that's homeschooling. A lot of parents are electing to homeschool their children, and you were homeschooled. I mean, talk about what you feel are the benefits, and do you really, in hindsight, uh, are glad that you were homeschooled? I think it's kind of an interesting situation. Um, I mean, for me, being homeschooled, it was because my mother didn't like the school that I was in. Um, She didn't like the way they taught. They taught the system um, for spelling. They told me to spell it how it sounds. Well, if anyone, you know, knows English, nothing is ever really spelled how it sounds in English. That's Uh, true. So it it was very terrible. And I've definitely struggled with spelling ever since then, um, and my mother was a teacher, so for her it was like, you know, if the school is going to be teaching this, it was better for her to homeschool me and um, teach me herself. And she definitely had the qualifications in order to do that for my younger years, so I definitely always appreciate that she did that for me. Um, and really it wasn't, you know, me being homeschooled was the reason I was alone. It was I was in a village with a very small population, and that didn't really change until we moved into a slightly bigger town, and then I was able to kind of right. meet other people, and uh, and even then, I met, made very, very few friends, but I made the important friends, um, and right. that got me to kind of out of my shell, and I really, really appreciate the fact that I was homeschooled, because um, I think I learned how to self-teach a lot, too, and that's important, right. because a lot of what we do in publishing is a lot of self-taught things. You know, there aren't many classes that you can go to that will teach you how to self-publish and do it well, or how to use social media. Um, I think we're seeing more and more of that come into regular education, but it's definitely not quite there yet. And frankly, I'm not really a huge fan of how upper education really works. I mean, right now I'm finishing up a degree in college, and I can tell you very few classes have made any difference in what I do. Um, And I don't think that's really going to change until we get to the point where college is more about teaching skills that we yes. can use in the job place and in everyday life. I mean, they don't teach you when you go to college or in high school that you're going to have to do taxes and this is how you do that. Don't get more. me started. Don't get me started <laughs> you know? on that. I, I, have a, I have a youngster, 18, who's a senior in high school right now, and mm-hmm. it's just so frustrating, as you said. You know, he's, he's on his way to college, but as you said, uh, it, they do not teach you what you need to know. They, right. to me, in my opinion, just teach you how to basically be a robot for lack of a better terminology. Yeah, they, they teach you how you know, to and, and they obey hinder. and follow. Exactly, and, and they hinder. They hinder the main thing be. that to me is so important as a writer, and that's imagination. From yeah. from kindergarten to me, they hinder your imagination and cause you just to be locked in a box. And, uh, again, that's that's a separate show. <laughs> I'm sorry, you started yeah. to say something? Uh, they teach, you know, how to follow direction and how to meet right. deadlines, how to obey. You know, sometimes they teach you how to write certain things, and there is always benefits to learning. Um, so I wouldn't say any education is not worthwhile. Uh, it just becomes right. a matter of, you know, by the time I get to college and they want to teach me college math, which is the same thing I've been studying for three years, that's not going to apply to my life, <laughs> you know, is it right. really worth hundreds of dollars and all these times? all this hours spent studying 
um, something that's not going to be relevant and I'm not going to remember. I can tell you right now, if someone asked me how to solve an equation, I'd be like, meh, I don't remember. You know, I've learned how to do uploading books to all different platforms. Um, in some cases, certain formatting. You know, I have other things that have taken up the space in my brain, and there's limited space in everyone's brain um, for information. So I would really uh, like to see in the future where we have classes that are really geared towards getting people prepared for, you know, the real world, um, where math is more about how to keep finances in check. Because a lot of people don't know, yep. you know, how to keep budgets and things of that nature. And it's important, especially if you want to get into a business. You do need to know yep. accounting, how to keep books and records. Even if you have an accountant, you still need to know how to keep your books and keep, you know, paying your bills. So. Yeah, or how to maintain good credit and not be overwhelmed, <laughs> you know, with the with the credit company, you know, and, and they start garnishing your stuff. Anyway, let's let's get back to your company. I'm I'm just so absorbed in it. So a self-published author, as you mentioned, has done all he could to put out a book, and it's in all the usual places. It's online. It's on Kindle. It's on Amazon. It's in bookstores. But it's still failing in book sales. He contacts you for help. Take us through the process on the steps you would do to help him. So it really depends on the situation. If it's someone that's really looking just to increase their sales, normally I'll refer them to a marketer. I don't okay. market myself as a marketer. Uh, okay. I picked up certain things and I help, but I find that what I'm best at and excel at is more when people struggle with organization or they don't know how to, you know, fix things on their website, so you're taking them hours or they're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars for professionals to just change, you know, I want to change this page to have my new book on it, and the web person's going to charge me $100 to do that change. I mean, that stuff is where I really, really help a lot. Um, And, like, uploading books to different websites. I mean, you can hire someone to do that for you. Um, You can use, you know, Smashwords, things like that. Um, and I've seen some um, some companies where they they will publish it under their um, like publishing name, and I'm not really necessarily a fan of that. I think it's nice if you can publish it under your own either your own company or your own name. Um, so that's what I do. Right. For you know, and, and in some cases, things like managing street teams and kind of helping them um, start those teams. But I find that with what I do is a lot about being kind of a partner for the author and taking things off their plate that they probably are able to do themselves, but it takes them a lot of time. And for writers, you know, time is precious. That's your writing time. Right. Uh, and really you're the only person that can get that writing done, whereas, you know, someone else can help you, um, you know, do research and pull a bunch of emails that you want to contact or upload those books for you or make sure your website has new content on it, things like that, that you can definitely do yourself. You can learn how to do these things, but the time that it would take um, for a lot of people end up being not worth it, especially when they really want to write or if they have a full-time job in addition. So I work with a lot of different different people, and I really enjoy that kind of work. Right. Um, let me ask you this question. Um do you deal when you deal with self-published authors? Are they self-published where they have their own um, company, 
or do they self-publish through some of the houses like Lulu and CreateSpace? And what are your thoughts on that? So most authors, they will publish, um, like Lulu and CreateSpace is usually used for the print book. Um, right. And that's, you know, print-on-demand. So a lot of authors will do print-on-demand because that way you don't have to put anything up front. Uh, right. I just met some authors um, this weekend, actually, who um, they do comic books. And with comics, they wanted to move into color. And color is very, very, very expensive to do print-on-demand okay. for. But we're talking about a comic book, you know, so this is all color. So it, it becomes pricey. And in that case, um, they move to short-run printing. So that's where you would get a company, um, you know, like Kraken Print or Ninja, Print Ninja, things like that. Um, okay. And then those, you do have to pay up front. Uh, for a certain print run, you know, maybe you're going to print a thousand copies, and then you have to figure out where you're going to store those copies, so you, that could be a cost right. as well. Um, but if you know that you're going to sell those copies, it can be worthwhile because you can get better quality with that than print on demand. So I think it really depends kind of on where you are in your career. So like in this case of these authors, they're um, doing comic books. So for their first books, you know, they probably did something around print on demand or either that or they um, – use their own funds to pay for a very, very short run. Uh, and then right. they got to the point where they had a fan base that was going, and they knew, okay, you know, I'm going to do a Kickstarter. And in that Kickstarter, I'm basically going to get a bunch of pre-orders for these books. And when I print the 1,000 books, you know, I already know that I have like 500 already sold with the Kickstarter, and I'm definitely going to be able to sell the other 500. So at that point, it becomes worthwhile. And then having a Kickstarter where you have the funds already, that works. So I think it really depends. Um, on where the author is. Um, you know, I have one author that I know that wants to do a picture book, and for her it's going to be better to do a short run because the pictures and color, um, having hard back book versus having a paperback. Um, usually if you're going to do print-on-demand, having a hardcover is going to be very, very expensive, and then to sell it and make any money, it would be too high of a price point for the average reader. So it really kind of matters on what your goals are and where you are in your career. Right. One of your side works is creator and host of Kate Chat, hashtag Kate Chat, Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Kate, um, talk about the birth and genesis of Kate Chat, and how's Kate Chat going now? Yeah, so... I had been hosting another Twitter chat for a while, I think over a year at that point. Um, and I really love, I've always loved Twitter, uh, really got into it really. Could you, I mean, that's do, excuse me, first. could you back up? Could you yeah. back up a second and just say how and, and what is exactly, for people who are not on Twitter, what is a host of a Twitter chat and how that works? Okay. So a Twitter chat basically uses the function of the hashtag. Um, and the idea being that everyone will use that hashtag during a certain hour to have a conversation. So okay. in Kate Chat's um, sense, you know, at 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, uh, people will sign on to Twitter or use, you know, a scheduling tool. Um, there's like twelves.com works really well for Twitter chat. And they will, mm -hmm. um, you know, type in whatever you know, they want to say hello, they'll use the hashtag at the end of their tweet. So that way when you search it, okay. all of those tweets come and you can read the chat. 
Um, so in the case of Kate Chat, you know, we will have a guest usually every week, and we'll talk about a different topic. So last week we talked about focus, uh, which was very, very interesting to kind of learn, you know, first of all, that every person is different. We all have different ways of work. Right. Um, so it was kind of just a very interesting conversation. And then we have other times where we talk about things like Disney, which is just fun, and I'm a big Disney fan. Um, and I, the idea behind Kate Chat was for it to be a place for authors and readers to connect. So it wasn't necessarily for me to be like, here, learn something new. Although in many cases, people are always telling me, oh, I learned something new today on Kate Chat. Thanks a lot. I'm like, that's great. Right. That's like a great byproduct of what I'm doing. Um, yeah. But the definitely. whole original idea was I wanted a chat that was for authors and readers because all the chats that I'd seen previously were either really just for the readers or just for the authors. And I'm really right. about connecting the two of them. Yeah, you say you're a big Disney fan. I also hear, quiet as it's kept, that you're a big Spider-Man fan, too. Is that correct? Yes, I am all comic <laughs> books. I mean, Spider-Man was my favorite growing up. Um, yeah, that's I what I hear. He was, he was a loser, and that's really why I loved him. You know, he was gifted <laughs> with these incredible powers, and yet they oh, did yeah. not make his life amazing. Uh, it actually made it worse in many cases. You know, he had trouble getting the girl because it'd be, you know, he finally gets the opportunity to have a date, and then there's some crisis, and because, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, he has to handle that crisis and lose, you know, the girl's his dreams. Uh, and that's really why I was a big Spider-Man fan. I just really appreciated that it wasn't like, here you have superpowers and now life is better. It was, you know, here you have powers and now you need to learn how to use them and what that responsibility means. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm really a fan of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm a so fan cool. of all all kinds of comics. I mean, right now I'm watching The Daredevil on Netflix. Uh, that's mm-hmm. fabulous. That's what I've been doing the last two days is just watching that whole season. Uh, it's wonderful. Um, I mean, I've always been just a fan of stories. So from books, television, movies, comics, uh, games, anything that has a story that there can be consumed basically exactly. that's something that i'm interested in and that's me also i i love watching turner classic movies and look at the old hepburn and betty davis and clark and and it's the story that always pulls me in I, i'm a sucker for a great story so i can understand exactly what you mean so let's talk about kate tilton the person where did you grow up and what type of child were you were you a conformist were you rebellious or a little bit of both? Uh, I would probably say I was a little bit of both. Uh, I definitely have and always um, have been a rule follower. Um, I'm very much you know, a follower of all the laws, I believe, um, in doing the right thing and being um, you know, the goody-two-shoes. Um, but in many other cases, you know, I wasn't the conformist in many of the different social aspects, you know. Um, right. People would want to do, you know, go to a party and have that kind of fun, and, like, that was not fun for me. I'm definitely introverted, uh, which is surprising because I really do love people and I love talking to people. Um, but, you know, it was – I want to talk to people that were interested in things I was interested in, and there were very few people yeah. uh, where I grew up that really were interested in books and art. Um, and what, for me – um, I was able to find community in on the internet. 
Uh, originally, when I started out on the Internet, I was actually really into art. And I wasn't necessarily really great at it. I mean, it was decent enough to put stuff out there. Uh, but that was the community. That was my first real experience in learning how you grow a community, and it was really by giving. So in my case, we'd be it was an artist website. So you'd put your own art up, but really the only way you'd get comments on your own art to improve was by giving that to other people. And then they would start yes. giving it back. So that was my first yes. real like learning experience about this is how you build community. It's not just you throw up you know, information up on the web and then expect people to come. You put that information there and then you go and contribute other in other places and then it comes back to you. It's a lot of work and it's very easy to lose. I mean, if I go onto that art site now and put up artwork, I'm not going to get a lot of people that are going to comment because I haven't been active. And that's that's how that really works. Uh, I think that was a good learning experience for what I do now. And you're right. So many authors and writers think all they have to do is get on a social social media platform like Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, and you know all they have to do is throw their work out there and say, "Hey, I have a new book out," and they'll get instant sales. But it's give, it's take, it's give and give, and it's a whole lot of commenting on others and and just building that that platform and that network. Um, would you agree? It definitely is. So a lot of times, you know, and I'm, I do social media training with authors. Um, Right. Mostly because I really believe that content should come from the authors. Um, I know there's other author assistants you could hire that will do it for you. Um, for me, I just find it's as a reader, I really want to talk to the author and not an assistant. Uh, although I love other author assistants, I really do. But, you know, readers, when they try to connect on social media, they really want to hear your thoughts as an author. They find you to be fascinating, even if that's something really, really normal, you know, um, I always like to say there was one author who once posted, uh, she had a, a young child who had written in Sharpie over her furniture. So she had asked Twitter if there was any way to get permanent marker off of fabric. you know, And that just made her very real as a person. And it was right. fascinating to right. me, even though she might have thought that was just you know, average every day. Um, but you know, I think as readers, you really want to see that. There are actually people behind the books that we read. And I really want to know who that is. Um, even if we're not really interested in being authors ourselves. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, i got to put about writing information out because everyone that's following me just wants to know how to do it. Um, and then I don't think it's true. I think there's a lot of people that are just readers. Um, I mean, I'm not personally a big writing fan myself, but I'm a vicious reader. And that's really what I want to see. I want to see the personal stuff. I want to see, you know, pictures of what your writing desk looks like and, um, you know, are you watching Daredevil right now and do you love it like I do? Or, you know, do you have cats or dogs? And, um, you know, or do you not like animals at all? Like, I want to know who that person is kind of behind the scenes. Uh, and that's what social media lets authors do. Um, and one of the reasons I think I really like Twitter is it's kind of like you get a text your favorite person and they actually can respond. You know, I mean, I don't have my favorite numbers, favorite author's cell phone number. Um, but I definitely have their Twitter account, so I can go and say, hey, right. and they might respond to me. So I think authors being able to use that as a tool um, just to build connections with people uh, is really that's the value. That's so powerful. Yep. That's so, so powerful. Uh, Kate, who were some of the authors you enjoyed reading as a young person? Um, what books fascinated you back then? You said you read a lot. What were some of your favorite books and authors? Yeah, so for me, it was actually, uh, and when I was little, it was more 
about the series. So it wasn't necessarily an author in particular, but there was right. a Star Wars series, right? Um, so there probably actually was a couple of different authors that worked on that series, but I I loved. It was um, Jedi Apprentice. Loved that series. Couldn't get enough. Um, there was a Boba <laughs> Fett series. Um, I found, like, things that I watched on television, movies that I watched um, that would have books. It was like I was able to get this whole other story from the characters that I already knew and loved. So there was a Spy Kids uh, series of, like, ten books, and I devoured all of those stories. Um, And I think as I got older, I started getting into, you know, some young adults' work. So Heather Brewer was one of my favorite authors. Um, Her Chronicles of Vladimir Todd. I just, I mean, I love that. And then she introduced a character named Joss, and he became my secret boyfriend, which became an inside joke between me and the author. Um, and I'll still say that to this day. If I read anything about him, I'll be like, oh, my secret boyfriend. And she'll be like, yep. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and that's one of the benefits of having Twitter. I mean, before Twitter, that would have not been a possibility for me to make that connection. Um, and that had come, I mean, the reason why I found Heather was because I was following Marie Lou who I knew back when she was not published and she was doing artwork back from my right. artwork days. Um, and she had done a video, um, basically like a book trailer for Heather. And so I liked the trailer, found the books. Um, and it's now, you know, Marie has her own work, which I adore. Um, I feel and her legend series, uh, one of the characters, Day, I knew him back when he was an art concept Um so, I'm, I mean, that was when I was a kid. So I'm very attached, and that, that was a very um, powerful series to read, especially knowing how long that she was working on it. So, And now I find you know new authors all the time. So right now I really like Victoria Swab, and um, Susan Lazier is another fabulous author. So it's kind of like every every day there's someone new that you find. and um, Right. Sometimes right. It'll even so, meet. so vast. Yeah, and there's sometimes you even meet authors, you know, at events. Um, and there's some authors I love to pieces, and I haven't read their work yet, so I feel bad that I haven't read it yet. Um, but there's, I mean, there's a million books that I have to read. Um, I hope... <laughs> More like a billion. I know what you mean. Um, yeah. Our time is running so fast. So let me ask you this. Of, of I get to ask this question a lot, Kate, from, from different guests and authors and writers. Of all the social media platforms, which one do you feel is the most beneficial for your brand and which, in your estimation, is the best for authors? I know you mentioned Twitter. Or, or does each platform offer its own special compensations? Each platform has its own benefits, but really it matters kind of what the author enjoys and then where their readers are so for me and my platform you know twitter was where i started so that's where i've made most of my connections and i still do to this day um i've even had people where i was just following a couple writers and then someone because i followed them was like oh i checked out your website and you're an author and i could use your services like i didn't advertise to them it was just because i followed them and had an active presence on the platform um but twitter might not be for every author. Um, And I think that surprises a lot of people that I would say that, but it really is true. You know, you're going to find that there are just different age groups that work in certain um, social media platforms uh, and then different lifestyles. You know, I definitely appreciate visual um, platforms. So Pinterest and Instagram, I really enjoy um, 
I'm not so big on being on Facebook or Google Plus, which right, are more very right, heavily right. text based. Although Facebook has definitely been putting out more videos, which I can enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. So I think for authors, it's really going to be a matter of first of all determining okay what platforms you would like to handle. If you hate being on Twitter, then don't bother. Um, because people right. will know. They they can tell that you hate it and it's not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to make you frustrated. Um, but if you're new and you're willing to try things, then okay, you know, test out the platform. See what you think. Um, do the research. Figure out where your readers like to hang out. Um, right. And then go for it. You know, start with one platform. Um, get to the point where you can do it really well and then add another platform uh, instead of trying to do them all at the same time. I think that just overwhelms anyone that tries that. In closing, I have to ask this important question that everybody wants to know, including myself. When is Kate Tilton becoming an author and going to publish her first book? I have no plans to actually publish any Come on! Uh, My (laughs) hope is to uh, eventually do a podcast and then to do training courses. Uh, That's actually my goal, is to really do training courses, because I think with having the ability to do audio and text and even visual, uh, people can learn better that way. Uh, And like I said, writing isn't my favorite thing. Like, I'll do it for my website, um, but I don't but enjoy it. But I think it. you'd make and a I know great author. I, I know you would. <laughs> we could start with the Kate Tilton story, okay? Your autobiography, okay? I mean, I'm <laughs> so sure you'd, you'd be a great author. <laughs> I mean, I'm only kidding, Kate. to write that for me. That would be fabulous. <laughs> um, Maybe later on. Me, yeah, I just find for me the writing isn't a passion, and I know – um, authors that have a passion for writing, and I admire it, and I appreciate it because I'm a reader. Um, but I don't right. have that kind of fire to write. For me, writing is a, is a task. It is a job. It's not one of my favorite jobs, but I do it because I really do want to kind of share what I have learned. Um, and that's kind of why I do want to go more to audio, because I like this um, platform. I really do. I enjoy being able to talk, um, have conversations, and kind of give information so that's my hope is to kind of do more of that in the future. So keep an eye out for that. It Sounds great. Sounds good. So, um, Kate, give out your contact information. If someone wants to hire your services, contact you. Give out any uh, websites or emails you would like to. Yes. So basically everything can be found on my website, which is Kate Tilton, K-A-T-E-T-I-L-T-O-N.com. And you can find, you know, all my social media platforms. They're all buttons on the website. Uh, you can subscribe to the, the blog, which has great information for readers and for authors. Um, there's a weekly Twitter chat. There's a page right on katetilton.com called Kate Chat. So you can get all the information about what the chat is, how you can participate in the chat, and then see upcoming chats right on that page. So I would definitely suggest everyone head over to katetilton.com. That's right. This has been the Funky Writer Show with me, Robert Batista. You can find my ebooks on smashwords.com and my novels on Amazon. 
Look for my new novel, the sequel to my seminal masterpiece, Brooklyn Story, called Naked in the Jungle, coming in the fall of 2015. My guest has been a lover of books and storytellers, and she puts her passion into action. Kate Tilton of Kate Tilton Author Services, LLC. Thank you so much, Kate, for being a guest on the Funky Writer Show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye now.